Amen and amen. I have to tell you, the room you're sitting in now looks very different this morning than it has all week. It's beautiful today. This room looked beautiful all week, even though it was radically different. Our dental access days that we hosted here at First Baptist in partnership with the South Carolina Dental Association and other agencies and churches in our community was a tremendous success. It really was. About 5 o'clock Friday morning, Manisa and I drove onto our campus. We were coming up Garrison, and before we got to the turn-in, already saw cars parking in the grass and on the side of the road, so we knew the place was packed and it was going to be a, a big crowd. And in those photographs, you see people who were lined up. Now, 5 o'clock in the morning, it's still dark outside, and they're lined up from the gymnasium, the apex, all the way up the sidewalk, past the office, turn up toward the entrance to Garrison, People have been camping out all night. People have been there since the day before. It was just an incredible experience. People sleeping in tents, in their cars. And folks, during dental access days, 1,412 people had their dental needs met at no cost. And the... Financial worth of the medical services provided by those health professionals to those 1,400-plus patients, as you can see, is valued at just under $1 million in health costs. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, go ahead. And uh, this room was a sight to behold. Across this auditorium, this worship center, were 80 dental chairs with dentists and their assistants working on 80 patients at the same time, and that happened for two solid days. It was in, 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 in along the side supplies and different things. You had you really had to see it to get a feel for how how huge this undertaking really was. But let me put a Give, give you a sense of what it really meant for the people that received that, that free dental care. And the word I would use above every other word is the word a smile. Smiles. The media did a great job covering this event. And there were so many people who talked to the media. They talked to different ones of us about the importance of a smile because I hadn't thought about it a lot. Maybe you haven't either, but when you have all these dental problems, you've lost your teeth because you can't afford treatment, so you just pull them, you have discolored teeth, all these problems, people don't smile a lot because they're embarrassed, and that begins to affect their confidence and self-esteem. And when they go to interview for a job, how they present themselves, and the truth is in some services, if you can't smile and you don't have that comfort, you're not going to get a job. So it impacts them in a lot of different ways. And, and they were sharing stories, a lot of times through tears, about how much better they felt about themselves. Because in, in, in this dental uh, access, people got not only teeth pulled, but there were crowns. Uh, that were put in people's mouth. People had uh, partial dentures put in the front. There were root canals. There were all these different things that were done to help people. And so people were left here in tears, happy, feeling better about themselves and feeling better about their their their, their future. And i got to say, outside of worshiping Jesus Christ on Sunday morning in the 10-plus years that we've been on this campus and in this facility after relocating from downtown, what happened this past week is the most significant thing that's happened since our relocation. i got to say that because it's true. And there's something else. The people who came through this campus know that there are people who care. 
And they know there's a God who cares. Listen, all of the patients went through our apex. That was one of the stations they would pass through in the process. And on the screens in the apex, we had these testimonies. We'd put together testimonies of people who'd given their lives to Jesus and other Christian witnesses. And so they were sitting there listening and watching, hearing the gospel. There were Bibles available. There were hundreds and hundreds of conversations from the volunteers and others with people. So just think of that many people who now know that people care, this community cares, the church cares, God cares. And it wasn't just the patients. There were health professionals here who don't know Jesus, and they now know there's a God who cares and that God's people care, and that brought glory to God. Couldn't do it without volunteers. There were well over 800 volunteers from predominantly 20 churches in our community that made this happen. And by the way, we had, we had more than 300 volunteers from First Baptist Church alone. And I want you to, if you helped in any way with uh, the dental access days, you were a volunteer in any capacity making this possible, I want you to stand right now. We want to say thank you to you. Go ahead and stand up if you helped with dental access days in any way. Thank you so very, very, very much. There were a lot of people bragging on this church. I, I talked to health professionals, to community leaders, to, uh, to the media members, you know, the TV stations in Charlotte and CN2, the newspapers, radio covered this very, very well. And there were people who were just blown away, not only by our campus and facilities, they, they, they were blown away by the attitude and the spirit of the volunteers and the people here. And they were, some of them were absolutely shocked that a church would open its facility for something like this. Because not every church will. It's not just that not every church can. A lot of churches won't. And they were really impressed that, that the people of this church were willing to open this place and, and volunteer and serve. And I can't tell you how many conversations I had with people about that. And, and it was very positive and they liked it. But i got to tell you something. I think Jesus liked it too. you agree with that? I think Jesus liked it as well. And that's really what we're after. We want Jesus to like what we do as his followers and as a church family. And today in the the sermon, I'm going to talk about the importance of not making church about self. The importance of making church about Jesus, about his mission and his purpose for the church, about making church about the people that God loves and not making it so much about ourselves. So take your Bible, if you have it, please, and open it with me to the book of Philippians chapter 2. The book of Philippians chapter 2. In this sermon series, we've said that Jesus loves the church. And since he loves it, it's not asking too much for us to like it. That if Jesus loves the church, the least you and I can do is like the church and then grow to love the church. And here's the thing. When you like someone, you're good to them. When you like someone, you help them. When you like something, you take care of it. And when you like the church of Jesus, you love the church of Jesus, you're good to it, you help it, you take care of it, you support it, you don't hurt it, you help it. You help it because that's what Jesus wants us to do. And and the best way to love the church, the best way to like the church, the best way to be good to the church is to be the kind of church member, be the kind of disciple that Jesus expects you and me to be. 
So I want us to look at what he says in the book of Philippians chapter 2 starting with verse 5. Let's look at these verses. He says, have this attitude in yourselves. This is the way I want you to think as my followers. Have this attitude in yourselves which was also in Christ Jesus. Who although he existed in the form of God, he was divine, he was God did not regard or think this way, regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped or held on to. But instead, in verse 7, he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. He took on himself humanity. Verse 8, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And for this reason, Because he had this attitude and was willing to do what needed to be done, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Father, take your word And teach us. Open our minds and hearts to hear your voice this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now in just a few moments, I want to share with you some basic truths from this passage. About being not only a good disciple, follower of Jesus, but being a good church member. The kind that shows Jesus you really do love him And you really do care about his church and you like his church. And the first thing is this. Here's the essence of this passage. God is telling me and you in this passage that we are to think like he thinks. We are to have the same attitude that he has. And what God says is don't make everything about self. And don't make his kingdom, don't make his church about self. That you and I are to think the same way Jesus thought. And so he says in verse 5, have this attitude, this way of thinking that was also in Christ. Think like Jesus thought. And then he tells us in verses 6 and following how Jesus thought, the kind of attitude he had. He said, let me tell you about Jesus, the Son. He's God. Okay? He's God. And he's in heaven where there's no pain, no sorrow, no tears, no hurt, no death. He's God. And he could have said, he could have thought to himself, he could have had the attitude that said, this is who I am, and I'm not giving up anything. Why should I go down there? Why should I enter into their life and their world? Why should I bother with that? Why should I allow them to laugh at me, spit on my face, make fun of me? Why should I go down there and become one of them, become human, take upon myself humanity, human flesh that can hurt and that can cry and that can feel rejection and that can die? Jesus could have said, I'm God. I created this world. I'm not going to do that. That's not how Jesus thought. That wasn't his attitude. Jesus' attitude was, that's exactly what I'm going to do. 
way of thinking was, I'm going down there. I'm taking upon myself humanity with all of its frailties. I'm, I, I'm going to let people spit on me. I'm going to let people laugh in my face. I'm going down there and I'm going to let people drive nails through my wrist and through my feet. I'm going to allow them to take a whip and tear the flesh from my back. I'm going down there and I'm going to let them kill me. Because those people matter. Because those people I care about, I love. And they don't know how much I love them. They don't know how much they need me. They don't know how messed up things really are. They don't know how, how, how much damage sin's really doing to them. They don't know that they're going to spend eternity in hell. They don't get it. But I know and I care and I'm going down there because I'm going to do everything I can to help them fix what they messed up. And I'm not going to hold on to my rights. I'm not going to hold on to the privilege I have of being in a place where there's no death and pain and sorrow. Because I love them. And I'm going down there and I'm going to obey the will of the Heavenly Father. I'm going to obey the will of the triune God no matter what it costs me. Obedient even to the point of death on a cross. And so God says, you're my followers. Think like Jesus thought. Have the same attitude he had. Don't make everything about yourself. And don't make church about yourself. Because it's about something that's even more significant than just yourself. You matter. But you're not the only person that matters. What you need matters. But what other people need also matters. Don't make it just about you. Don't make it just about self. Think like Jesus thought. Have the same attitude that Jesus had. And you know what he's really teaching us here? Is that that the will of God, the mission of God in life takes precedence over self. God's purpose for the church, God's God's mission for this church takes precedence over what any individual wants. God's purpose for this church takes precedence over what any individual likes. His mission, God's will for His people, God's will for this church matters more than self. It, matter, it matters more than, than, than your personal status. Jesus is God, but he, but he said, the fact that I'm God, I'm not going to let that get in the way of me doing what needs to be done to save people. Status is not more important than the purpose of Christ for your life and this church. He said God's will, God's purpose is more, is more important than your personal rights. Jesus could have said, I have the right to stay here, but he didn't. You you have rights. I have rights. But those don't get in the way. They don't have the right to get in the way of what God's trying to do in this world and in this church. God's purpose takes precedence over our personal comfort. 
It wasn't easy for Jesus to allow people to spit on him. It hurt when the whip tore the flesh from his body. It hurt when he was nailed to that cross. He felt that pain physically, emotionally, spiritually. Listen, following Jesus is not always about what's comfortable for you, not always about what's easy for you, not always about what what makes life the way you always want life to be. Sometimes it's about sacrifice, and sometimes obedience and sacrifice is significant. We've got some people in this church this morning who are very, very tired. It's a good tired. It's a good fatigue. Because they worked hard this week. We've got people who were at dental access days every day, helping park cars, carry supplies, escorting patients from one place to the other. There are people who worked to set the building up. There were people who worked yesterday evening to get this ready for this morning so that all those dental chairs and, and, and supplies and, 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 and the plastic you know, it's all gone. Things are disinfected. It's, they put the chairs up. They got, they got the sound equipment ready. They got everything ready for you. And they're tired. I mean, they, they worked hard. But they're also happy because they were doing what Jesus wants them to do. And sometimes Jesus says, when you follow me and you do what I'm asking you to do, you're going to sacrifice. And sometimes that means you get exhausted. Sometimes you give up something. Sometimes you lose sleep. But hey, people matter. The mission matters more than personal comfort. When I was a young pastor, I learned that thinking the other way can really hurt a church. I was 17 when I started preaching, 19 when I became pastor of what was then called Colson Baptist Mission. It was the mission of my home church. On a good Sunday, we had about 60 people. Um, I served that church as pastor for six and a half years, starting my sophomore year in college. And for the next two and a half years, I drove over two hours one way to college every week and then back to pastor that church. And after college for three and a half years, I drove four hours one way every week for three and a half years coming back to pastor that church. And uh, very, very fun memories. The best thing about that church was I found my wife there. That was really good. But it was a great six and a half years. But I have to tell you, when it started out as a 19-year-old pastor, it was very discouraging. Because of one man, a man named C.B., that I got along with really well, didn't have a problem with. But he did some things that really hurt that church, and the process hurt me. And it was very, very tough and very discouraging. Here's what happened. They were looking for a pastor, and I was doing supply for them. I wasn't an interim. I just would preach a lot of Sundays when they didn't have a pastor. And I was there the Sunday, the church, that little mission elected a pulpit committee, a search committee to go find a pastor. Now, since it was a mission of the mother church, they elected so many, and then the mother church appointed two or three to the committee, and they would look for a pastor. Now, CB was the most influential person. Now, this is a think of you. Some of you have been part of a small church. You know the patriarch of a small church? You know, the guy? You know what I'm talking about? most generous financially, served, taught adult Sunday school, was involved in outreach. If it got done, he was part of it. He was the key guy. But he was also very controlling 
and very demanding. And so when the congregation voted to elect the pulpit committee, the search committee, they did not choose C.B. And everybody was surprised because they hadn't talked to each other. They just all were thinking the same thing. And when the names were read out, they were all in shock. They hadn't voted for C.B. And he was hurt. I mean, he's the guy. And he was hurt. Well, the mother church was going to appoint two or three people, and they appointed him to try to, you know, smooth it over with him. And that went okay with the church. It wasn't a, a huge issue, but, you know, it went okay. They, they, had asserted, they, they had sent the message of independence nonetheless. So he's on the committee, and eventually they, they called me as pastor. And I started pastoring that church in November of 1977, sophomore in college. We're building a new church. That's the building we built that year. In fact, before that building, we were meeting in an old white wooden building about two miles away that was falling apart and had a potbelly stove for heat in the wintertime. So I become pastor in November, and the first worship service in that new church building is going to be on Sunday, December 25, 1977. Sunday that year was on Christmas. And our first service was going to be on Christmas Sunday. And I wanted to heal things with CB a little bit. And he'd always taught Sunday school, and, and, and he loved using the flannel board. How many of you even know what a flannel board is? Okay. And this felt, and you stick little cutouts of figures and people on it and tell Bible stories. And so, you know, before modern technology, we used flannel boards. And so he was always telling these flannel boards, using the flannel board to tell Bible stories. And so I thought, all right, now I'm going to help CB in this. Our first service is going to be on Christmas. It's on Sunday, Christmas Day. CB, I want you, the first service in that new building, Christmas morning, I want you to tell the Christmas story using the flannel board. We had a lot of boys and girls because we rode a, drove a bus, and so there was a lot of kids in that little mission church, about 60. Half of them were, more, half of them were kids. So tell the Christmas story using the flannel board. He said, okay, I'll do it. And so the weeks leading up to that first service in the new building, I'm in the pulpit, and I'm promoting it, telling everybody what's going to happen, and CB's going to tell the Christmas story using the flannel board, and we're all getting excited. And I still remember our last Sunday in an old falling-apart building, the Sunday before we move into the new building, December 18th. I'm in the pulpit with my enthusiastic self. I'm promoting it and telling everybody, CB's going to tell the Christmas story using the flannel board. And all of a sudden, in the back of that little white church house, I see this hand and CB jumps up and he says, Pastor, I won't be able to do that. And I said, okay. December 25 comes, Christmas morning, 11 o'clock, first service. And that Christmas day, we normally had about 60 people. That Sunday, we had 130 people in that little church. You know who wasn't there? CB. CB never set foot in that church. Never. He left. He badmouthed that little church through the whole community. Now, we only had about 60 people, so we didn't have a lot of Sunday school teachers. But he talked half of them into quitting. And in one week, I lost half the Sunday school teachers of that little church and the guy who gave the most money and was the most active. Now, God blessed and we recovered. But let me ask you something. Did CB get it? 
have this attitude in you which was also in Christ Jesus who even though he existed in the form of God did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped but rather emptied himself taking upon himself the form of a bondservant humanity being found in appearance as a man obedient even to the point of death on the cross did CB think like Jesus or did he make church too much about himself now I've got to be honest there are times in my life I've had a little bit of CB in me you ever had any CB in you huh But every time I've had CB in me and every time you've had CB in you, it's been a sin. It's been wrong. Have this attitude in you which was also in Jesus Christ. Don't make it about self. Make it about Jesus and his mission, his purpose. Don't make it about self. That's hard to do sometimes. But you see, that's what spiritual growth is all about. It's becoming more like Jesus Christ. Don't have time to look at it, but in your outline, I printed a lot of verses from the Gospels where Jesus said to those disciples who were arguing about which one of them is more important. He said, that's a silly argument. If you want to be important in the kingdom of God, be a servant. Be like a kid. Humble yourself. Because ultimately it's not about us, it's about Him and His mission. Now listen, I'm saved, I'm glad I am. I'm forgiven, I'm glad I am. If you know Jesus, you're saved and forgiven, I'm glad you are. And God blesses us and He helps us. But folks, in the end, it is about being His servant because God likes people who think that way. And God isn't happy when people make everything about self, when when we make church primarily about Self, you'll notice at the very end of it that all of it is done for the glory of God. And the amazing thing is after these verses that talk about Jesus' willingness to humble himself for the sake of humanity, my sake, your sake, after he was that obedient, even sacrificing himself on the cross, the very next thing the Holy Spirit told Paul to write down, I think it was intentional, was because Jesus did that, that God the Father, in verse 9, highly exalted Jesus, giving him a name that's above every name in the universe, and that every knee, every knee, every knee, and every tongue, every mouth of every human being that has lived, is alive, and ever shall live, that every knee will bow, and every tongue confess one day, When they stand before Jesus, everybody will bow and everybody will admit whether they want to or not, He's Lord, He's God, He's King, and they are not. And if you want to be ready for that day, then humble your heart, get rid of your pride, bend your knee to Him today and say, Jesus You are my king, my Lord, my God. And this church is about you and it's about your mission and your purpose. It's not about me. And my life, as happy as I am and as blessed as I hope to be, is still not so much about me. It's about you and your glory. Amen? Then get CB out of your heart and mind today and be more like Jesus.
Wherever you find CB in you, cut it out. Let God cut it out. Just like a dentist pulling a bad tooth. Get it out. And let Jesus have all of you. So here's my question. Is there some CB in you right now that you need to let God cut out? What kind of church member are you? What kind of follower of Jesus are you? What kind do you want to be? Then here's the last question. What is God saying to you right now? What is God asking you to do? Let's stand. Father, we stand in this place as people with different needs and different struggles and different opportunities in front of us. But we stand here as people who've heard your voice this morning. I pray, God, for each teenager, each child, each man, each woman, that they would not only listen to you but also obey you. And those who need to make their way to this altar and pray who need to let you cut something out, change something, I pray, God, that right now they would do it. Help people to find the faith and the love and the submission and the courage to obey you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing a song, and I'm inviting you to make your way to this altar. and Get on your knees or sit in one of these chairs and pray. If you want to talk with a pastor or a counselor, we invite you to come.